<laughs> yes, but I don't know where the saying of easy like pie came from. I've never even heard that, that a saying. saying? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm <laughs> mixing it. Hang on. So no, I have to Google this now. <laughs> easy like pie. Is this a saying? Easy as pie. Easy as pie. So Michelle, what is your favorite kind of pie? Ooh, that is a tricky one because like you, I do love, I do love a good cut of pie. No, hang on. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> a cut of pie. Words are hard. Okay. Um, and we get it from uh, local to our area, a place called Anime's mm. Restaurant. Uh, it's a little bit out of the country, out in the country. <laughs> a quick plane ride and you're there. <laughs> I'm picturing these bloopers with you cutting it with the beeps when yes. you do multiple takes. <laughs> you know what's also not as easy as pie? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This recording. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back to the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode 124. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay. And today we are talking about trends for 2022. As we approach the end of March, there's no denying it. Spring is in the air. While, at least for us here in Ontario, we may still need to expect a late flurry or two yet, we are wholeheartedly otherwise embracing the changing of the seasons and diving in to explore spring and summer 2022's latest and greatest fads and trends. But first, the best way that you can support the Modern Lady Podcast is by giving us a rating and review on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. Your reviews, especially on iTunes, can really help others who might be interested find our podcast too. Your comments mean the world to us. This week's shout out goes to two wonderful ministries who have shared our Perseverance, Unity, and the Three Pillars episode in the last few weeks. So a big thank you to at Visitatio Blog for sharing the link to our episode on their Instagram page, and to Theology of Home for sharing our episode as a part of their daily collection of links and thanks from around the internet this past week. We are so grateful for your support. Thank you to all of you for sharing. And if you would like to leave us a comment, you can do so on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com, or you can leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. But before we get into today's chat, Lindsay has our Modern Lady Tip of the Week. I love pie. I'm meh about cake, but I really love pie. And this past year, I mastered lemon meringue and coconut cream. But one thing I am terrible at is slicing pie. (laughs) I start out well, but as soon as I try to gently lift the piece, it all falls apart and I giggle and attempt to slide the once beautiful dessert into a messy pile on someone's plate. I came across a post on Instagram from the at test kitchen account that suggests making three cuts before serving because that extra cut allows for wiggle room to pull out the first piece. So if that's confusing, what that means is that you cut two slices at first instead of just one and the first one will slide out easier. Now we turn to the website food52.com and the food stylist there suggests something similar. She cuts out a very thin sample slice before she photographs the pie. 
This allows her to peek inside and make sure that it looks okay, and that gives the wiggle room as we mentioned above. She goes on to suggest that for cutting through a flaky crust without getting crumbs everywhere, we should use a small serrated knife, slightly larger than a paring knife. Now this one seems obvious, but it's oh so hard when you just want to dig in. Cool the pie completely before cutting or you'll have an oozy mess. If you want to serve a fruit pie warm, which is the best way with vanilla ice cream, then you reheat the individual slices on a parchment lined baking sheet, tenting the slice with foil in a 300 degree oven for eight to 10 minutes. Now we look to the tasteofhome.com website and there they also suggest a serrated knife and they say that it can be a bread knife, but only for the first cut. And the first cut is the deepest. <laughs> the jagged edges can really help with that. And then you go in with a paring knife and you just make sure that you get all the way down and you get a really clean cut. Then you go in with an offset spatula to lift out the piece. Now I have two different sizes of offset spatulas and I agree with the article when it calls it one of the best loved kitchen gadgets out there. You'll also want to wipe down your knife between cuts so that the crumbs from the crust don't make their way into the filling. Finally, how many slices should we expect from a standard nine inch pie? Well, you'll get six to eight nice slices. So Michelle, what is your favorite kind of pie? Ooh, that is a tricky one because like you, I love a slice of pie. Um, but lately I have been loving the banana cream pie. Oh, yes. Um, and we get it from uh, local to our area, a place called Anime's mm. Restaurant. Uh, it's a little bit out in the country in our local area. So it's a bit of a drive, but the banana cream pie is totally worth it. Okay, I needed a new banana cream pie supplier as my yes. banana cream pie supplier closed down about yes. 10 years ago. Oh. And I have been longing for one. So it looks like a little road trip for us. This episode of the Modern Lady podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Being tired suburban moms in our 30s and 40s doesn't exactly make us influencers. And you might want to look to more reputable sources for new fashion and beauty trends. Please contact the professionals to find out if Prairie Core really is the look du jour before purchasing said items. And please, for the sake of all that is beautiful, don't go out and buy a striped micro mini and Mary Janes for your night out at a hyper-local all-seasons patio bar based on this episode of the Modern Lady Podcast without double-checking to make sure that all the cool Instagrammers are doing it first. Thank you and enjoy this episode. <laughs> oh, we laugh every time we get to write this episode, don't we, Michelle? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. I was looking at the our disclaimer from last yes. year and I was like, oh, what shall we choose to put into this year's warning? Yes. <laughs> so fun. Yeah. Like we always say, we personally <laughs> love this so much. And especially usually because we're coming we out of a few heavier episodes. Like, and mm -hmm. it's just perfect with the timing and the windows open and the birds chirping and, you know, just a, a new fresh air. <laughs> so we need to just like <laughs> enjoy this. And I feel like this episode is just so needed at this time every year. So we laugh, we poke fun at ourselves being sitting, you know, busy moms sitting in our closets researching the spring trends <laughs> that we won't wear or do ourselves probably. Right. Um, but we yep. just, we, we firmly believe in knowing them. Right. Still being 
abreast yeah. of the trends. Um, but then, yeah, just kind of modifying them to our own Catholic homeschool, <laughs> older mom life sphere, sphere, <laughs> mind frame. Yes, <laughs> I know. And do you know what I love about the spring trends episode two mm-hmm. and just spring trends in general, um, as opposed to even like fall trends, mm-hmm. we'll say, is that I feel like collectively everyone who wants to look into spring trends, there's like this note of hopefulness. Yes. Right. That like we're coming out of winter and we're entering into like a a lighter and freer season. So I I always love the spring trends seem to convey that. And even if like us, you aren't particularly a trendsetter (laughs) or trendy, Mm -hmm. that everyone can kind of hop on board and just kind of ooh and ah and Hmm. (laughs) at some of the interesting things that are coming up. And one of the things that you and I particularly enjoy is at least we know these things. So if they do pop up later in like the cool Mm -hmm. world, we're like, wait a sec. I heard about this, (gasps) right? And you guys might do that too. You might be like, we know who talked about this before anybody else. And it was Michelle and Lindsay over at the Modern Lady (laughs) Podcast. Yep. And that is our street credit. So yep. please do that. Yep. yep. <laughs> we need the, we need all the help we can get with street cred. Uh-huh. Okay. So we generally break it down into the same categories every year. We're going to look at food and drink, uh, fashion, beauty, and then travel. We've always wanted to talk mm-hmm. about travel. We've touched on travel, but travel really hasn't been possible. <laughs> um, so this year we are going to really look at that. So food and drink. Now, when I started researching the trends for this upcoming year, um, there was something I really noticed that was even more so than like specific little food and drink trends. It was actually like huge sweeping changes to the industry in general. That Mm. seems to be like where a lot of these big trends are coming from. So the first one is there are a lot of staffing and hours of operation changes happening in restaurants all around the world. Um, Mm. This was because of a lot of the rising food costs, food shortages, um, but also staffing shortages, right? They've had a really hard time Mm -hmm. getting staff back into restaurants. Um, And this is even a little more interesting than just what it seems like on the surface. A lot of people who were out of work over the last two years have really reevaluated their work-life balance and they don't want it going Mm. back to how it was. And restaurants are recognizing that. Their restaurants are notoriously known for a lot of toxic workplace um, habits. And so they're really recognizing that and they know that if they want to get back really good staff, they're going to have to make some of these changes. And so they're doing um, less days open during the week, you know, having more days off Mm. or reduced operating hours in a day. Um, Mm -hmm. They want to pay their staff a bit more and they just want to make sure that they are looking at the holistic health and the mental health of their staff, really treating them in a new way. So I think that's a really interesting trend. Mm-hmm. And I hope that it's not is a so trend, right? Sorry. I just want to say like, I hope that's not oh. a trend. <laughs> Caring about your staff. <laughs> Let's hope that doesn't oh. just, isn't oh, yeah. just a 2022 thing. <laughs> right. We hope that that is a trend that becomes a cultural lifestyle. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but you know, it's interesting because I saw popping up on uh, from several different places that smaller menus mm-hmm. are also going to be very trendy in the restaurant world. And I wonder if that is kind of relevant to what you were saying about wanting to kind of um, make the work-life balance or the work environment at a restaurant for the kitchen staff more organized, uh, less stressful, uh, is having some 
good quality menu items, but having less for the kitchen staff to have to juggle and manage. That's really interesting. And that goes along with the another trend that I saw that you might have come across to the hyper local. Um, so mm. much of the restaurant trends are really being influenced again by um, gas prices, by food shortages, by shipping issues and ships being stuck sideways in canals, um, everything that's happened in the last couple of years. Um, and yeah. um, one of the ingredients, one of the food products that is most expensive right now is, is meat. So we're going to see, like you said, smaller mm, oh yes. menus, right? Very vegetable heavy menus. Um, but when they mm-hmm. talk about hyper local, they're, that mostly means vegetables, right? Vegetable heavy things that these restaurants yeah. can grow outside of their own front door. Um, we've seen local for a long time now, but this is like as close to the building as possible because of gas prices. Um, so yeah, small menus, really creative ingredients though, um, really helping to make vegetables take the place of meat for people who are spending a bit more money and expecting that piece of meat, but wanting that like rich umami sensation you get with meat. So chefs are finding ways to be um, even more creative right now to get people back into the restaurants um, while keeping prices as low as they can, right? They Prices are mm-hmm. going to go up. We're seeing that everywhere. Um, but, you know, making these really inventive yet small smaller menus. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. The plant-based thing I saw everywhere too, yes. like everywhere. Um, there was a new uh, diet mm-hmm. I found called the flexitarian diet, mm. uh, which is basically a mixture of like vegetarian vegan, but um, still you can have some meat and animal products mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> but you predominantly eat the fruits and vegetables and you get your fiber and proteins you try to get those predominantly from your fruits and vegetables um i think it's kind of interesting it's often described as more of a lifestyle versus a diet right. and it has refrained from giving those hard and fast rules um and it's admitting that you know people will find their own suitable balances but between the rise of flexitarian yes. diets like that and then i found another place that's was saying that fishless fish mm-hmm. is going to be big I saw i'm like that fishless too. fish yes. okay <laughs> yeah i saw little coconut shrimps that um are frozen not shrimp not shrimp yeah and i'm like okay oh. <laughs> okay <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. But to go along with the umami flavors, like Japanese flavors are really uh, still still so trendy uh, right now, but they are here to stay in 2022. So it's really interesting that those two, uh, the plant-based focus and the umami and the flavors of um, the Asian countries, the Eastern Mediterranean countries with the Levantine cuisine, like they're trying to figure out a way of combining so much of these different fads, trends, fads and trends, but also with the broader economical situation coming out of um, these past two years. Yes. And speaking about Japanese food, they talked specifically about katsu. And now let me tell you about katsu because (laughs) of course I have a story (laughs) about this. Um, So (laughs) as you know, Michelle, most of Jason's Mm -hmm. longtime friends are Asian. And when we were dating, Mm -hmm. they would take Mm -hmm. us to all these awesome little restaurants all around the greater Toronto area, uh, including Vietnamese karaoke, which Jason became quite great at, by the way. I (laughs) will always remember him singing November rain by Guns N' Roses and in, uh, in Vietnamese um, to an adoring crowd. Anyways, um, our friend Quan. <laughs> Quan is so conscious. Uh, she's so thoughtful all the time, like the most thoughtful mm. person. She's always conscious of what a picky eater I am. I've come a long way, but like 20 mm. years ago, I was an extremely picky eater. And so one time 
we're at this very high-end Japanese restaurant. And she whispered to me, get the katsu. It's as close to chicken fingers as you can get. <laughs> and she was so right. <laughs> and so it's still my go-to when we go to Japanese restaurants. And so, yeah, chicken or pork katsu is definitely a trendy meal this year. Oh, my goodness. That is so interesting. I do love that um, these ethnic flavors yes. are really like on the rise and even like spicy foods. Mm-hmm. It's the savory side. I'm, I was reading uh, how is really picking up yeah. like just the savory adding spice and umami and flavor, but a little bit less sweet and more into that um, savory side. Well, and you were mentioning too, like international foods. I was reading as well that chefs are becoming more unapologetic of their own roots, um, really doing mm-hmm. like those fusion menus um, and, and just going, hey, this is what I grew up with in this little Eastern European country or places that maybe aren't like food trendy and going, I'm going to yeah. introduce what this flavor is into our more traditional cooking at this restaurant and really bringing in those elements. Like you're saying, different combinations of herbs and spices or yes, more spicy meals. Um, they're just really incredible incorporating the comfort foods from their childhoods onto their menus. Yes. Okay. So this feeds into two other trends that I've been seeing. Um, First of all, speaking of seeing different cultures uh, and combine or working them into the culture uh, that fits into what I was seeing with uh, breakfast, Mm. like breakfast and bigger breakfast, Mm. like more delicious, like more bold breakfasts is a trend. And I'm all I'm up for that because breakfast is my favorite meal. Mm. Uh, Breakfast foods. So like macadamia pancakes Mm. um, I saw, which sounds delicious. Yes, it does. And then I think one of the biggest things that I saw is actually a breakfast food that's really big in South Korea is the croffle. Oh, yes. Have you ever heard this? Yes, I have. Yes. yes. The combination of a croissant and a waffle. So, again, if you're having trouble picturing this, uh, thequickjourney.com says that the croffle is a pastry dough rolled like a croissant and pressed in a waffle iron until it's golden brown on the outside and filled with flaky layers on the inside, um, which I think uh, that is high on my to try list. And then the second thing you said was the nostalgia, mm-hmm. right? Like um, the f- nostalgic flavors are coming back in and not just for us. So like there was an article saying that uh, the demand for things like Dunkaroos and Lunchables, <laughs> mini pizza bagels <laughs> like, yes. is on the rise. Um, but it's not limited to North American cuisine. So again, we're seeing like a, a little bit of ethnic nostalgia coming in too. So uh, from powderbulksolids.com, they were saying that from South Korea, again, uh, Apollo straws and Dalgona candy mm-hmm. will be finding their way more and more onto our shelves. And then I got really excited because they even said that the little white rabbit candies from China will be making a bit of a comeback. And I loved those things. They're like a chewy, um, hard candy. They start off very hard candy and then they get chewier as you chew them. And they're wrapped in like rice paper. So in any case, I just think like... I can't believe, I think it even more so than in other years, the trends for food and drink this year seem to really um, have not a ton of boundaries, Yes, right? Like there's just a lot of mixing and experimenting and trying things out and fusing, like the fusion aspect, but in many different ways. Yes. And 
it does seem like almost anything goes. And it's everything from yeah. home cooking is still huge. Like people have become very proficient mm-hmm. cooks over the last two years, right? Um, even if you watch any of like the competitive cooking shows on Netflix or Amazon um, that have been filled, mm-hmm. filmed even in the last six months, I have noticed overwhelmingly so many of the people who end up on those shows are like, well, I just learned how to bake during the pandemic. What? Like the pandemic yes. just happened and you're already this good that you're on a competitive cooking yeah. show, right? So people- <laughs> have really gotten good at it. And this changes the whole environment then of going out to eat because the better you are at home, the more unlikely you are to spend money out. And so, um, yeah, home cooking, people cooking homemade pastas, that was huge last year. That's still huge this year. Mm. Um, but just becoming better and better at those skills. Now, on the complete other end of the spectrum, high end dining is back. Um, People Mm. are ready to spend money because again, all of this watching of chefs and food shows, which is so pot, you're either watching shows about murder or you're watching shows about food, right? On all the streaming Mm. services. And so I think more than ever, just average people are willing to spend a little bit more money to actually go and experience some of these restaurants that they've been seeing on these shows. And so mm-hmm. that's really exciting because it is its whole own industry that really produces um, artisanal made food, right? Like, and that's another thing yeah. too. When those restaurants are up and running and being profitable, they're hiring people who are expert cheese makers, expert um, bread makers. They're bringing those skills back. So we're learning how to do those things at home, but we're also happy Mm -hmm. to outsource that to the higher end restaurants right now. So I really love those two sides of the coin. Mm -hmm. And maybe the fact that we've all Um, been trying some of these things ourselves at home make us want to go and appreciate it from a professional expert's hand you know like um yeah if if we've tried to bake bread ourselves like to go to a restaurant and see the artisanal breads just being like wow I understand this like um I I know the work that has gone into this and that adds a whole new layer to a dining out experience An interesting take on the restaurant industry that actually started a few years ago but really grew in popularity during the pandemic was ghost kitchens, Mm -hmm. which I actually haven't heard of before. And when I first saw it come up, I was like, ooh, is this like Halloween in March like situation? Like (laughs) ghost kitchens. But no, it has nothing to do with spooky or creepy. (laughs) They're basically just restaurants that exist only in the food delivery world. Mm -hmm. They have no public presence whatsoever. So there's no storefront. There's no wait staff. There's no in-store dining. Uh, You can only find them on food delivery apps. And they're you know, there's some benefits to it. They have sometimes multiple restaurants working from one location. And I think that would help with splitting rent and Mm -hmm. keeping costs down. Um, You are really able to save money because you can set up your kitchen anywhere. You don't have to pay for the best storefront locations or go downtown. Yeah. Or run a food truck. Right. Like maybe these are like the new food trucks. Yeah. Yes. Actually, that's a really good point. Um, And some use these ghost kitchens to break into the industry Mm. during lockdowns when funding a brick and mortar restaurant would have been otherwise financially impossible for them. Uh, And what I found really interesting, too, is even some national chains were using ghost kitchens to test new menu items they wanted to try, Mm -hmm. but under different (gasps) brand names, just in case the items flopped. Yes, (laughs) I know. I was like, 
Very smart, right? Uh So I just kind of love this idea of a ghost kitchen and that there, it's kind of like, um, remember we talked about the speakeasies Mm -hmm. a few years ago where where you, it had that exclusivity factor, Mm -hmm. which was part of the novelty of the restaurant. You could only get in if you like knew the password or knew where it was. Mm -hmm. Um, This to me kind of has a similar vibe. So rather than driving down the street and seeing a sign or a restaurant and thinking, oh, I'd love to try that place, you kind of have to already know uh, or hear word of mouth these ghost kitchens. And one of these things I've heard about um, locally is, okay, so Mr. Beast is a huge, arguably the biggest YouTuber uh, right now. And Mm. he created the Mr. Beast Burger. Now he's way down in the US and there would be usually no hope of getting a Mr. Beast Burger somewhere up here in Ontario, but it's Mm. at the ghost kitchens. And so if, yeah, if you know which one to look for and then have the food delivery service, they will bring you the Mr. Beast Burger. And so it's, yeah, it's, it, you're right. It has this, this bit of like fun adventure exclusivity factor to it, which is really, really neat. Mm-hmm. And speaking to a food delivery services, there's another, I mean, obviously those those were a lifesaver for a lot of restaurants, let's be fair, um, yes. during the pandemic, right? And they're not going anywhere. They're just, that whole industry is going to continue to grow. It, it's had some growing pains. You know, there's a lot of horror stories about how they treated their staff and insurance and that type of thing. But um Food delivery is here to stay. One of the things I have noticed, though, is a lot of the, I guess, higher end restaurants um, are wanting to do it themselves. They're hiring in-house delivery Mm. drivers because they want to have control of the quality from the very beginning until the minute it's delivered to you. And they can't control Mm -hmm. that if a third party comes to pick up the food. And there's different cost elements as well. So that is another trend that we're seeing to see for 2022 is a lot of restaurants hiring their own in-house delivery staff. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's just look at bakeries, a little dessert now. So I did see that chocolate is back. Um, I didn't know chocolate was gone. <laughs> Ooh, it never left for me. Nope. <laughs> Once again, so far behind, we're ahead. <laughs> yes. Go chocolate. <laughs> yes. Um, and then also like classic cakes like this. Okay, so this this other okay. sweeping trend is celebration. I'm seeing it through restaurants, cocktails, clothing, destinations. I, I kept seeing this whole idea of let's get back out there and celebrate. Let's celebrate the birthdays that we couldn't do. So it's a lot of birthday cakes, but like classic, mm. big birthday cakes with like the piped icing, you know, on them. Um, mm. They're still like a little inventive and cool, but they're not necessarily like the big um, fondant covered creations, like really a classic yeah. piped cake. Um, and then like you were saying earlier, Michelle, a lot of unexpected flavors are popping up in baked goods as well. Chipotle, mm. rosemary, pepper, smoky hints. Um, these are coming into our desserts. And I think that's fascinating, mm. exciting. The other flavor um, of the day is citrus, which is my favorite element of a dessert. Mm, Um, But not just because it's yummy. Um, People are really hoping that their little slice of lemon meringue pie will have some like immune boosting um, capability um, (laughs) as they go back out into the world. I love that. (laughs) So I think, I do think that whole savory trend, even in desserts, Mm -hmm. is so interesting because there are things I, I, probably wouldn't naturally put together until I heard people's suggestions of what goes together. But one of the things we've tried in the last year or so is we've actually made a smoked bourbon apple pie. Oh, Um, 
in the smoker. Okay. With a bit of vanilla ice cream. It's really good. Okay, so we need to yeah. <laughs> obviously have a pie visit. I've been to your house for dinner. That was not pie. on offer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that will now be on offer okay. and we'll just have a big pie day. Oh, pie oh, party. Pie day. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anyways, we'll we'll have our own pie day. Yes. But yeah, the the smoky flavors um suited the apples so well. Mm. And I I don't think I would have ever thought of that, but when we saw the recipe, all of a sudden it clicked. And so I think it's cool to see that popping up like even in restaurants and in the industry at large. Oh, I love that. Um yeah, cooking over fire is another big trend this year. A lot, yes. right? Like like finding different mm-hmm. and creative ways to do that. Now, cocktails. I love a good cocktail. Oh my goodness. What I really I'm so excited about this. It is back to basics. We are going traditional, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you and I have talked mm-hmm. over our past episodes about bartending becoming more and more elaborate. And really, we are understanding that the profit margin um, that restaurants could make the most off of their bars, right? So they were like getting yeah. more and more creative with their cocktails, more and more ingredients, very complicated. Nope. 2022, very traditional very basic. It is the old fashioned Negronis, um, martinis, fresh margaritas. Now, Jason and I started making fresh margaritas last year um, without anything mm-hmm. frozen, right? We're talking like <laughs> buckets <laughs> of squeezed lime juice um, to make these oh. fresh margaritas. And speaking of that too, tequila is still like huge. It's just going to continue to grow in popularity uh, this year. So yeah, tequila and your margaritas. Now, Jason and I have already settled on our Murray cocktail of 2022. We always like to do mm, a fun yes. spring summer. We are going with the classic, the Singapore sling. And Ooh. yeah. And so I am just in love with this. I love everything traditional, traditional things done well. Um, so yep, tequila. And the other thing is bubbly drinks. Bubbly drinks are still on the rise. You've still got your sparkling white wines, obviously champagne, Proseccos. Uh, those are really still a popular option for this spring summer. Mm. And you know, uh, speaking of these old fashioned cocktails mm-hmm. and old fashioned. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, part of the trends too says that they're going to be bottled, mm. like pre-made, ready to serve cocktails are on the rise, yes. and they're doing it now with these pre-mixed, uh, traditional cocktails, yes, like gin and tonics and Manhattans yes. and things like that that you can just buy bottled and then go home and enjoy them, which I think is a, a neat continuation of like the seltzery kind of drinks yep. that have been so popular you just uh, open it and it's it's ready to go so oh I love that and there, that again I think is pandemic influenced as well because you yeah. I guess when people were not wanting to mix and serve drinks to their company right there's a lot of BYOB and a lot of just bringing single serving things over the last two years so I think that came out of that I've seen a lot of those drinks already at our liquor store um, and mm. so I think that that's a really nice option to be especially too it is very expensive to buy all of the individual components to make a cocktail often like for the Singapore slings yeah, we need true. gin benedictine grand marnier cherry liqueur that's just the alcohols that's uh one two four bottles of alcohol <laughs> um what if wow. we end up not liking it right so to be able to sample and yeah. try individual cans I, and have them in the fridge to offer your company I just love that idea mm, that's a good point Okay, so we need to get dressed up, right, to go to these high-end restaurants or to have people over mm-hmm. to our house. And again, it's really celebratory. So, Michelle, do you want to start us off on a fashion trend for spring-summer 2022? <laughs> 
sure, but you should all know that I'm probably the worst person to start us off on beauty and fashion trends. Oh my goodness, Because <laughs> I'm it. usually uh, not, not on the trends. <laughs> but um, maybe this time I'll catch the trends because the 90s and Y2K mm-hmm. is still back. Yes. So everything from like fanny packs, mm-hmm. overalls. Mm-hmm. Um, so those more the 90s, but like the Y2K, like yeah. belly chains yeah. Um, or chain belts I saw were yeah. in, frameless sunglasses, wide leg pants, which I'm like, oh, is this the 2020 ver- 2022 version of baggy jeans? Mm-hmm. Baggy jeans were super cool. Um, back in the day and then like the satin silk dresses and like all those things right so I I was really fascinated going down a bit of the nostalgia route just like in our food and and drink trends it's coming into fashion too it's really going back to those late 90s early y2k years I cringed so hard when I saw y2k so I was 20 right (laughs) in the year 2000 (laughs) and dating Jason already for a year at that point and Oh, when I was like low rise jeans and belt and the little purses that we would have. I still have yes. an expensive purse I bought at that time that I kept as a time capsule piece that you would have tucked in under your armpit and the colored lensed sunglasses. We had our blue tinted mm-hmm. sunglasses. And I just I can't I can't. And, and there is that that unspoken rule that if you wore it the first time, you don't wear it the second time. Um, So I think oh. I'm exempt from um, having to participate in these current trends. But yeah. It's. Re- mm-hmm. I found the last year or two, it's really been about the 90s, but we really are moving into the early 2000s now in fashion. And it's just blowing my mind. So my daughter, Charlotte, yeah. right? She's uh, She'll be 16 yes. this year. She said, um, mom, I need some of those like um, baggy pants that have pockets on the sides. I'm like, oh, you mean cargo <gasps> pants? I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, I don't know. I, like, whatever. I guess that's what they're called. I'm like, okay. So cargo pants. Uh, well, one of the other trends is like um, a white ribbed tank top. Um, mm, we wore mm-hmm. those, many of those back in the day before they became a trend, we would borrow our brothers or our boyfriends, white ribbed tank top. Uh, now a lot of the higher end designers are making them cut for women. They are beautiful. I do love the idea of a, of a white ribbed tank top with jeans and like a trench coat, a little more classy, mm-hmm. but like so just picture like a bucket hat, little pink rimless sunglasses, uh, a little cropped tank top and car- big flowy cargo pants. And uh, you've pretty much got what the teenagers are going to be wearing now. <laughs> right. Is it going to be, do you think, as as much as like girl groups from the year 2000? <laughs> yes, probably. Like, are we going to go that far? Probably. Yeah. Butterfly clips? And, oh, okay. those have been in for a while. The butterfly clips started mm. a couple of, So now it's um, banana clips and the frosty makeup. And everyone's doing the 90s lip liner of using your eyebrow pencil as your lip liner. That's huge oh. right now, which again, I did in the 90s. Um, It's just, okay. I'm, oh, and the thin <laughs> eyebrows, Michelle. The th- I just grew That's my right, 90s yes. brows back in two years ago. During the beginning of the pandemic. In right. fact, I I asked everyone to continue or to consider growing back in their 90s brows at the beginning of the pandemic. And I remember that. Right? And so <laughs> now Jason's like, don't you ever pluck those eyebrows out again. <laughs> we look back at old photos. Yeah, I'm not going to do the thin eyebrow trend. And I'm begging my teenage daughter to not over pluck as every mother has done before me. Um, yes. Yeah, but very, very yeah. much uh, late 90s, early 2000s girl group that whole thing yeah Mm -hmm. okay yeah and I I do remember like 
like my mom saying, don't pluck your eyebrows <laughs> when I was a teenager. So um, if we may now assume that role yeah. with our maybe our younger listeners, don't do it. Don't do We've it. Done it. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> this is a trend you should definitely let pass right on by you. Now, for us more mature ladies, um, some of these trends from the 90s, the late 90s, early 2000s that are coming back around, are some, there's some that I really do appreciate. The pencil skirt. Um, I've always mm. loved a pencil skirt, but they're very much um, in style again. Uh, longer, too, below the knee. Very well tailored. That's beautiful. Um, also, Michelle, we called this a while ago between ourselves, loafers. They're huge. I already bought yes. my pair of loafers. Um, I, in fact, mm -hmm. I have owned loafers every time they've come back in style since childhood. I just, I love a good loafer. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you're right, like the trousers, it's all about pants, right? A lot of pants. Yes. Um, and I think that that's not really fair for those of us who've been squeezing into like leggings and sweatpants over the last two years for now we have to like yeah. do up a button. <laughs> How dare they? <laughs> yeah. Um, but like tailored trousers. Yes. yes. So like having them really, really fit um, you, yeah. like your body. Um, I noticed that was a really big like key factor to the trousers thing. Yeah. And like even adding the jacket to the trousers, yes. like suits in yes. general. Gorgeous. are really in yeah and I actually do really like the look of these like wider leg trousers yeah. with the suit jackets I don't know if I have anywhere to wear such a thing to these days um but the one actress that I kind of always pictured she pulls it off so well is uh Zendaya mm -hmm. oh she's the hot actress right now yes she is. And she does the the tailored suits and trousers often. And I think she she looks fantastic in them. So I actually I do like the tailored trousers trend. I wore many a wide leg trouser. Um, Actually, they were in style very much like 2006. Um, and then you'd wear the mm. pointy um, toed heels with them. So that's yes. still very much yep. in my <laughs> in my head. Um, but a lot of the the younger actresses and models that are wearing these two piece suits are wearing them with the sparkly bra in the place of a top, right? Which you oh, that's right. Which yeah. we won't I do. We'll just do let that. everybody know right now. We won't be wearing that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so skin is really trendy. Um, again, it's not saying whether mm -hmm. like we support that or not. Um, I think it's clear our feelings on that. But a lot of midriffs showing, like we said, back to low rise jeans, crop tops, belly, um, like the necklaces that go around your belly, belly chains, um, mm -hmm. very tiny mini skirts are back in a lot of skin showing. Now, I did peek ahead to fall winter and a lot of the yeah. fashion forecasters are saying that um there's always the pendulum always goes really far the other way then and they're expecting a lot of maxi dresses and skirts to really come back in uh very quickly mm. um so just hang in there uh people who aren't going to be wearing a mini skirt it will go back the other way <laughs> um it, yeah and if if you can't wait that long um, for the maxi skirts to come back in mm -hmm. i did see that draping Mm -hmm. is like a really hot trend so like in some of the runway shows they were taking from like the grecian um draping yeah. like um scarves and uh, layers and things like that and i actually love this idea because i i think it can actually be done to look so elegant yeah right think like uh, i even kind of have visions of 50s hollywood glamour yep of like the yeah, like the necklines where it goes like straight across and then they have the trains coming down in the back, yeah. like paired with a 
slimmer fitting dress or something like that. So draping, a dramatic drape is also on trend right now if you're not into the midriffs. And then (laughs) in a totally (laughs) um, dramatic, speaking of dramatic, pivot from the midriffs and mini skirts is Prairie core. Prairie core <laughs> is also a fashion yes. trend. <laughs> um, our listeners might recall that we've talked about like cottage core and the other cores. Um, I think it was last year we started to introduce that this is a yeah. thing among the younger generation. Um, so prairie core. Um, yeah. So basically, just think little house on the prairie, and you're there. Those are those are the dresses, <laughs> smocking, puppy sleeves, flowered prints. Um. I was just at Old Navy, and let me just tell you that that's all of the dresses there right now are like voluminous amounts of fabric, um, tiered, mm. just like just so much, so much fabric. Um, so yeah, if you want to go either end, right, you can go completely covered and like it's the year 1914, or like it's Y2K, <laughs> Y2K, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I do love it, but it does even having those two extreme options in the fashion world for trends this season is actually indicative of another trend, which is just simply bold. Yeah. Bold is the trend, right? So whether you're going bold in terms of the mini skirts and midriffs showing, or you're going bold with your draping and the voluminous fabric and prairie dresses, puffed sleeves, mm-hmm. I was even seeing, they're still here too. Um like that that just does seem to be the message of whatever you're going to do go big <laughs> actually that leads perfectly into like beauty trends um because again it's like this celebratory feel because one of the actually the mm. last things in fashion is a lot of dresses um like party dress the party dress let's call it that uh they're really back like you were saying sat um satin or sequins not even like just beyond the little black dress so this idea of going out right high-end restaurant party dress and then fun hair care, hairstyles, and makeup, just experimenting bold, like you're saying. Um, a lot of color, mm. like a lot of colored eyeshadow is coming back. Um, yeah, it's it's time to live a little. Mm-hmm. I did see all three of fringe, feathers, and pleats <laughs> yes. going around, and I was like, wow, okay, it's a party. That is the vibe I was getting from all these trends, too. One of the other trends, again, I feel like it really does either cover everything or it's like the opposite ends of the spectrum is that um, mm-hmm. things are actually in in skincare and in makeup styling as well going quite natural again. And th- okay, so there's one yeah. thing I'm loving as everybody's been doing such heavy face makeup for so long. And I'm saying this as someone who used to spend an hour and a half doing my makeup when I was in high school <laughs> and had full, like I looked like a porcelain doll. Um, and I know that that mm-hmm. very, very thick Base look has been in style for a while now. Well, it is going back to the almost like mm. natural skin look uh, and just using really, really um, sheer foundations. And I am loving it. It never made sense to me that people were caking on all this makeup and then drawing on freckles over the last year because <laughs> freckles, oh, instead yeah. <laughs> of just wearing less foundation and showing your freckles. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I love that too. And I, over the last year, I've just started using like a tinted moisturizer, mm-hmm. like as a foundation base too. And I, I really love that. I've always really admired celebrities like Alicia Keys. Yes. Yes. Um, who's just really like in a, in a principled way, just said, I'm done with this. Yeah. I like how I look, yeah. you know? Um, 
And so the boldness comes in enhancing who you are as opposed to try to hiding it. And I think that may be the juxtaposition of the beauty trends going more, uh, staying more minimalistic because I think the no makeup makeup was a thing last Mm -hmm. year. Um, with the really experimental fashion and hair and everything that goes with that. Or maybe what I'm seeing, perhaps this is it too. I think because we were mostly home, now it's again the separation of home and out, like getting glammed up to Mm. go out again, right? And then maybe so instead of having all of this time at home every day and putting on all this makeup at home, um, you really go a lot more natural, give your skin that break at home, and then you go super bold to go out, which is really fun. Mm. Um, Yes. But all of this doesn't work unless you're really investing again in skincare. And we've talked about this over the last couple of years too. Like it seems like skincare trends update by the minute. Like you can just refresh your Instagram and there's a brand new product that you better buy. It is insane. (laughs) There's microbiome skincare, fermented skincare, plasma injections, CBD, green tea extract, probiotics for your face. Like it is just a never ending stream Mm. of buy this new product um, for your skin. So yep, skincare is still, there's just a huge focus on that. And it will just even get bigger if people aren't covering their faces with those very heavy bases. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. And just being aware of what goes on to our skin. Yes. I find that's a really big focus now too. Clean beauty, um, minimalistic, clean beauty um, in, in order to promote that healthy skin. I think Yeah, I think we are starting to realize more and more how um, you can be a little bit more minimalistic if you want in certain aspects of your uh, beauty routine, if you have a good foundation or you're, yeah, you're investing in that aspect of it. So I think that's, I think that's really great. I kept seeing to the word dewy, right? We've, we've actually been talking about dewy skin for a couple of years now, right? The words glazed donut. I think everybody, every woman knows that you Mm, want to go to bed with your glazed donut. Oh, face. Yeah. And donut in your hand. (laughs) (laughs) That's where my mind went. (laughs) Um, But it's like this idea of j-lo skin glowy dewy gel creams face oils i love it my skin is rapidly becoming mature skin so it looks a lot better when it's dewy and i can't quite even get it dewy enough so um that trend is going to continue too so think really natural glowy healthy looking skin Mm -hmm. i actually saw an interesting skincare tip that uh, makes a lot of sense to me in my mind that was saying like do most of your cleansing at night Mm -hmm. Uh, and then put on the moisturizer to go to bed yep. as a glazed donut. But then in the morning, um, don't strip your face again. Yeah. Like don't use maybe all of the cleansers again. Rinse your face. Yes. And then put the moisturizers back on. And I could see how even that would help um, keep that dewy, fresh look because you're you're even preserving a lot of the natural oils that you that your face would produce overnight now I might be remembering this incorrectly but I believe that that's what you and I did by default in our morning routines episode is that we both just said we rinse our faces yeah so that's right we were, we were just doing that out of pure busyness with kids in the morning <laughs> but turns out we were onto something <laughs> that's right we we were actually setting trends yes we were um you may not have known it mm-hmm. we may not have known it but that's that's really what we, we were know doing. it now yeah <laughs> yeah And speaking of that, one of the other trends, and I don't even know how I feel about this, but it's called the I woke up like this trend. Did you see that one, Michelle? Oh, (laughs) 
<laughs> you mean my aesthetic every day? <laughs> yep. Well, that but elevated. This one costs a lot okay. of money because so it's oh. basically like having to do minimal work on your face because um you it's already been done for you. So what we've seen in the last couple of years are like lash extensions, right? Like you didn't have to oh, do that every day. I see. And then it was microblading and now nanoblading on your brows. So now your eyes are pretty good. Like you could wake up and leave, but now the new one is um permanent lip pigment now i i remember oh. the first days of lip liner tattoos uh, on women in yeah. the 80s and 90s and that was certainly a, a, a look um but this is different this is actually like um <laughs> not tattooing around the edges so much as adding a very soft flush of color across the lips so all you need to do is throw on mm. a little balm or i'm a f big fan of vaseline on my lips and hasn't killed me yet um and so um <laughs> so it's basically like if your lips are tinted already you've got your lash extensions mm -hmm. your eyebrows are already all filled in uh it's pretty much a just dab your face with a little water and walk out so that's what they mean by i woke up like this is that you've had a lot of oh. help in that area and enhancements <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> so not like me <laughs> Man, I got really like excited me. being ahead of the trends with the just rinsing with water in the morning. Right. And yeah, we're back. I'm I've been put back in my place. And then... I'm I'm humble again. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you've got your skincare, your makeup, your outfit, you've gone out for dinner, and you're like, okay, we're ready to travel. We're ready to actually go mm -hmm. a little bit further. So, Michelle, what is a travel trend? Well, the biggest one that I saw is actually to go big mm -hmm, once again mm -hmm. right like in 2021 it was pretty much predominantly domestic travel yeah. um, and we still see little bits of that which we'll talk about in a little bit but in 2022 I was seeing like all the travel sites they were calling it like the year of the bucket list mm -hmm. was what cnbc.com was calling it um, expedia.com is calling it the year of the goat goat being an acronym for greatest of all trips right. um and the travel sites are seeing spikes in exotic locations like Machu Picchu or um, Petra, which is a city that's carved mm -hmm. into the cliff fronts in Jordan. Yes. And I've actually been to Petra <gasps> yes. um, when I was 20. It is really, really cool. You kind of feel like Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. So these like exotic adventure type of things. Um, islands in the Indian Ocean are popular. Yeah. Islands in the Antarctic yeah. are popular which is wild and so yeah people are really starting to think big and look big and they're like booking adventures like uh nile river cruises were really popular um starting this year uh, safaris mm -hmm. for family vacations um and so uh, all that to say uh the big cities the typical traditional uh, travel destinations are still really big too so people are really looking to get back to you know um tuscany mm -hmm. in italy um southern france new york city london england like all those places too it's the bucket list year and i think that is the most clear example that i saw i think in this whole spring trends episode of um coming out of the last two years of lockdowns and restrictions on travel. Yes, I saw it called making up for lost time travel. 
And Mm -hmm. it's slow, it's immersive, it's extravagant, special locations like what you're talking about. And I saw it too, especially about the cities. Like people were really nervous about going into large urban centers before, right? So cities are back. Um, People want those restaurants, those high-end restaurants in the cities. They want to go out to the clubs. They want to dress up. They want to go to theater and Broadway shows um, and museums, right? So urban centers Mm -hmm. are seeing a really, really big boost of travel right now. Um, Some of the trends I saw were, again, were like, industry shaping trends versus necessarily like um, destinations. And so one of them Mm. is I'm seeing hotels are starting to fight back in the market against things like Airbnb. Um, Hotels were really losing ground. And that, so mm-hmm. they're finding ways to get more creative and to draw customers back into them. And one of the ways that they're doing this is that some of the hotels um, are becoming all inclusive. And I'm not talking about like beach vacations. Um, they're understanding that there are some customers out there who are more nervous about like it's taking all of their strength to actually get somewhere and to travel, but they're nervous about like leaving the hotel property and exploring. Mm. Um, And so what you would maybe get in an Airbnb where you have a kitchen and you can kind of be self-sufficient in that type of home, hotels are really Mm -hmm. offering like all-inclusive packages where you're getting your breakfast, lunch, and dinner included in your hotel stay and other types of entertainment that they might have had like just a breakfast deal before or something. They're just looking at ways to really cater to the customer where they don't have to leave the property, that it can be all in one. Mm. I can totally see how hotels feel the need to fight back yeah. against like vacation home rentals, yeah. right? Like they, those are on the rise yeah. <laughs> too. So hotels, if they were already losing ground, they're probably thinking coming out of the pandemic, like whatever they do for this season is really going to set them on track for where they go, whether they grow or not yeah. um, in this, in this next travel season. Another thing we're seeing, and you and I were talking about this earlier is, you know, with gas prices, the way they are, um, people aren't able to really do road trips um, in like longer road trips. Um, so yeah. I was watching on Instagram, somebody filling up their RV, their rental RV, and it was easily a thousand dollars American oh um, to fill it up. Like who, who can afford that on top of everything else you mm-hmm. need for the vacation? So that's having an impact. Um, I also saw that there was a huge shortage of rental cars and that rental car prices have over doubled in the last year alone. Um, and so mm. it's really hard to get a rental car right now. Um, so that's shaping things as well. So I guess if you can like fly into a city, right? And then if you're comfortable mm-hmm. being in a cab or taking public transit and then just kind of doing everything there. Um, but yeah, the idea of the road trip might not be something we're seeing as much this spring, summer. Mm-hmm. Well, even for our family, we love camping. Yeah. Right. And we've already uh, tried to replan our summer plans to do less trips, yeah. but maybe over a, a bit of a longer period of oh, time. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So we would try to maybe go for a weekend or something like that here and there. But now we're doing far, far less because of the travel expenses. And then maybe we'll just stay for longer and we'll do less trips. So it certainly is having an impact on, on travel trends. I know even for us. Another trend I'm seeing is I'm saying it in in a, family-friendly way, but romantic getaways. Um, Let's face it, um, (laughs) you know, husband and wife um, being inside their houses for two years with a lot of little people, uh, it's hard to have quiet time and intimacy. Mm -hmm. And so there's a big push right now for couples to like get away and enjoy each other and be intimate. And so Mm. romantic getaways are a big thing. And, you know, Jason and I did that last summer. I think you and Phil were able to get away and we went local, like our family, us and you guys went 
ended up at the same hotel, not on the same night. <laughs> um, right. And this hotel was only 15 minutes away from, from us. It's a little bit further for you guys. But again, it's that, like mm-hmm. idea of like hyper local. Um, and so yeah. really putting money back into our own communities. So a little romantic night away at a hotel that's close to you. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more of that as couples are like, that's it. <laughs> we're going away for yeah. a night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um yeah, I can totally relate to that. Uh-huh. Um, that feeds a lot into like the idea of micro adventures mm. too. Like, it's, so I mentioned right at the beginning of this section, like domestic travel yeah. um, was certainly a much bigger trend, the prevailing trend um, last year, this time last year, but uh, it's still here. Right. Yeah. And as, especially local economies want to promote that. And there are a lot of uh, places I've seen, even in our area, too, like trying to uh, draw people back yeah. into even their hometown, maybe not um like as close as your neighborhood to maybe your wider province or the state that you live in, just like keeping things um, in your local economy, yes. uh, especially in this recovery year is a big push too. So there is uh, a push to go big and go beyond borders, but there is still uh, plenty of attraction of stick- sticking close to home and still being kind of like hometown tourists and hometown adventurers, which I think is really great. I really like that. And we don't know about other places, but our province has um, introduced a tax credit for doing a vacation within our province, right, this year. So um, Mm -hmm. I know our family just booked two nights away and we did that in our own province so that we could claim that on our taxes next year. So it was a really good incentive from our government um, to to help Mm -hmm. bring back money into our own local economy. And you know what, in that vein... Um, if you really can't get away and, you know, uh, you're looking for something small, local, close to home, something the whole family can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a really big fan of the mall trip, yes. <laughs> like in the middle of the day. Yes. That's where we went this week. Yeah. That was our, our trip um, of the week <laughs> for us. Is I just needed to get us out of the house. Yeah. So we went to our local mall. At this local mall, we were laughing about this before we started recording. There's like a tiny little one room regional museum <laughs> attached to the mall. Uh-huh. And I was like, ooh, let's go in there. And I was so surprised. Um, they actually ended up having an interactive space exploration display there and exhibit. So the kids thought it was great. And then um, we went back next door to the food court and we got a poutine and we split the poutine. The kids thought it was the greatest thing. The goat, it was the greatest of all trips. (laughs) And then we walked around the mall and then we went home and, you know, it was just a change of scenery. And I think that maybe even for all the trends in travel, in fashion and in food and drink, I think after two years of being at home and really making the best of it, we're all looking for a change of scenery. And so however we can do any of those things, I think you will be right on trend if that is the intention and the vein you're going in. Okay, it's time for our What We're Loving This Week segment of the show. 
So Lindsay, what have you been loving this week? Well, there are two different recently released shows on Amazon Prime about Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Now, I tried the Nicole mm. Kidman one first and I had to turn it off within minutes due to language. And I just feel like if there's language right off the boat, like within seconds, you yeah. can pretty much expect it to be through the whole thing. Um, but then I put on the documentary that debuted at Sundance this year and it was produced by Amy Poehler and it's just called Lucy and Desi. Have you seen this, Michelle? Mm. No, I haven't. Okay, well, I'm so glad I watched it. I was riveted. I actually started watching it and I was putting the groceries away. And once I got the stuff mm-hmm. into the freezer and into the fridge, let's just say the rest of the groceries sat because I just like couldn't take my eyes right. off the screen and I just sat on the couch and I didn't move for the two hours. So I have loved Lucy and Desi my whole life. If there is ever yeah. a TV marriage that most closely resembles my own, it is Lucy and Ricky Ricardo. <laughs> Oh my goodness. As soon as you said that. <laughs> can you picture it? <laughs> I can. Yeah. I can picture Jason as a Desi. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I'm always up to some harebrained scheme and he's always like, yeah. oh, Lindsay. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's totally us. Um, now this documentary really outlines just how hard both of them had to work to create careers for themselves. It didn't come easy. Mm. They have very interesting life stories um, and, and obviously the breakdown of their marriage but how Lucille Ball really persevered to the very end, always feeling like she had to work because of some childhood things that had happened um, and how Desi mm. just burned out from working far too hard and he never really fully recovered. Um, I was mm. laughing when they'd show good old clips of the show and crying. And it really, the, the, the main thing was just how that show forever changed the television industry everything that they did every yeah. decision that they did i it, it was just incredible so i highly highly recommend lucy and desi the documentary by amy poehler on amazon prime oh my goodness i have to check that out did you know that i played lucille ball in a high school play <gasps> no i didn't oh my gosh yes. that's amazing the classic um the classic vitamita vegemin <laughs> yes skit. yes that was me in grade nine. Oh, um, my goodness. I did it for a high school play. Yes. I'll have to dig up footage. I was going to say, <laughs> this better have been recorded because I need to see it. It was. I remember that week. It was my first ever high school play. I had walking pneumonia that week. Mm-hmm. Um, the, show but I must go the show must go on. <laughs> 100 <laughs> percent Wow! and yeah yeah so yeah lucille ball and that show i love lucy lucy and desi they have a special place in my heart oh. too so i will definitely have to check that out they talk a lot about that clip and they talk a lot about that show in general where because it was so expensive to film and they explain why it was so expensive to film um but it was done in one take like you could not do two takes of that show so that they had mm. to rehearse it so much and they made 41 episodes in 41 weeks in the first year of the show and they had to have it down they could not afford more than one take so it's funny than that scene right she's doing multiple takes of that commercial but when you just think yeah. about the show as a whole <laughs> like she had to do that mm-hmm. perfectly the first time it's just extraordinary wow wow she is impressive yeah so what have you been loving this week 
Well, um, I have been so inspired by your good work, Lindsay, mm. of spring decluttering mm. on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I always love that you share your work in progress on Instagram because <laughs> yes. that's what motivates me okay. to clean my house too. So please keep doing okay. that. Um, but this year I was sharing with you, I'm actually having a bit of trouble mm. getting into the decluttering spirit. And I think it's because I'm just a little overwhelmed yeah. and um for a while I have not done a huge dedicated decluttering um probably just with settling into homeschool this year yeah. uh it was really put on the back burner so I'm uh with the spring coming I'm feeling renewed and refreshed and I was uh drawing inspiration from you but then you also reminded me of the minimalists yes yes and I'm so glad that you did um so the minimalists are made up of duo Josh Fields and Ryan Nicodemus Mm -hmm. and they have a blog a podcast and now two documentaries on Netflix and they're all dedicated to exploring minimalism and some of the deeper intentions and reasons for pursuing a life with less so uh, I wouldn't actually describe myself as a minimalist per se but I do want to to get my house back in order Mm -hmm. like I said so I watched their latest documentary, Less Is Now, on Netflix last week, and it really helped me get my mind to shift into organization mode. Uh, It's not too long, just about an hour. So it was perfect (laughs) to motivate me without taking up the whole afternoon. Um, And then I would put off actually doing (laughs) the work. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, you're doing the research (laughs) first. Yes. (laughs) That's right. I wonder if they did that on purpose. And then, yeah, I've been listening to a few of their episodes on their podcast when I can get out for walks around the neighborhood. And what I love about these episodes is that at least for the earlier ones that I've been um, going back to, is that they do spend a significant amount of time answering listener questions. Mm. And I always find it really helpful to hear a real life application. So, yeah. So, I mean, if you're looking, um, you're in the similar boat as me Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you're looking for that first step uh, to jumpstart your spring cleaning by tidying up and clearing out some of the clutter I can really recommend tuning into The Minimalists for some laid-back yet inspirational motivation. Okay that's going to do it for us this week. If you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today you can find us on our website www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com or leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs, and you can find me on Instagram at mmsachs. And I'm Lindsay Murray, and you can find me on Instagram at lindsayhomemaker. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.